Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. I know it's been a little while since I've gotten one of these out, but I'm happy today to be able to present to you guys a topic that I've been asked a lot about on Instagram the past couple weeks. How do parents best prepare for their children joining the Coast Guard, and how can we mitigate the stresses of this change of life, which is a pretty massive change of life, as best as possible for both parties, both the Coastie who is now entering the Coast Guard, who's about to move to their new location, but also for the parent who now their child that's either been home or maybe just returned recently from college is now going on the journey of a lifetime, essentially in their eyes, the biggest journey they've ever had in their life. So I'm very happy to have my own special guest today. My mother is going to be on the show today, and her name is Jeannie Giacomuzzi. And she's here to tell you what all about what it's like to be a parent starting out in with their child being a Coastie. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. So to get things rolling, I want to ask a little bit of what was your initial reaction? You were told that your child wanted to go into the Coast Guard. Was it supportive or was it kind of surprised or? Always supportive. Um, Hunter, you know, being my son and stuff like that, you just want the best always for your kid, children and stuff. And when he said this was going to be his career, I knew it was going to be a challenging career. And I knew that he would be uh, taken off to his own journey and path in life and stuff. And that we had set the boundaries and the um, way for him to go and set the, the, the pathway for him to now spread his wings and go on and do something that he would like to do. Now, the Coast Guard is a member of the Department of Defense. And being that, a lot of people are knowledgeable enough to know that in times of war, the Navy can call them into service as a military service under the Navy because we are a military service, but they would fall under the branch of the Navy in times of war. Did that worry you at all a little bit that, you know, I was joining the military and that whole aspect of that I could be called to war due to the nature of the job I was picking to join? Yes, of course. I mean, that's a, that's a worry for, you know, any parent and stuff, but especially when your child's in the uh, military to have that worry. And the way the world is going today, not knowing at any given time what could happen and stuff like that, it's a big worry. But you just know and you have the confidence, hopefully, that, you know, live in the moment and that he's doing what he wants to do and he's protecting our country. And um, show you support and love for him on that and just support him with his journey. Did you personally not live in your coastal community for many years prior to me wanting to join the Coast Guard? Know much about what the Coast Guard does from your perspective. Like, we have a ton of missions. I've covered these in a bunch of different episodes. But you personally, did you know when I said I wanted to join the Coast Guard, the gravity or the amount of choices that I had for a job within the Coast Guard, as the Coast Guard is not just a job in itself, but there's jobs within the Coast Guard that are completely and widely different? I knew um, some about what the Coast Guard was about uh, growing up on the Cape and stuff like that, um, but not the entire, not the intensified that I've learned between um, where he's been and stuff like that and what he's actually experienced and the jobs that he's gotten, the promotions and stuff and the volunteering he's done and stuff. It's like a whole new world and stuff that I'm learning about and learning the language about. Um, but a lot of volunteering and just caring for people in the country. I mean, it's, 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 it's a good thing. Well, I'll touch on that since you just mentioned that volunteering aspect is 
many different people volunteer in different capacities and you've been volunteering most of your life in different capacities, different things. Was there anything unique about seeing the Coasties come together that you saw at your recent volunteering event that you did with the Coast Guard about how they just work together and things click with them? Yes, we just did a uh, volunteer session this week down in Ahoma. And um, every single person that we met that was from the Coast Guard, they were so polite. They were so caring. They were like a family. They were like a unit and stuff. And they came together and you could see the helpfulness between themselves and for the people that they were helping to. And so this world, to unlock this world of future potentials and experiences, all paths lead to some type of boot camp source that you have to go through, regardless if you're going to be an officer and you go through 17 weeks of officer candidate school, or if you enlist in the Coast Guard and you have to go through now 10 weeks of boot camp at Training Center Cape May. It's a very intense time with limited communication. Child just left. What did you do during that boot camp period to sort of ease both your concerns and also try to help them out, well, me, while in boot camp? Because I went through the boot camp way. I mean, it, it was tough when uh, you were in boot camp. Uh, we couldn't hear from you or talk to you for um, a long time there and um, not knowing and just knowing the experience from um, May Maritime and stuff that you had gone through already and shared. Um, I knew it was going to be tough and um, I wanted to support you in any way I could. On the other front, back at the house and everything, uh, your father and I were going through... Um, the empty nest syndrome that you were gone from the unit and stuff from our unit and moving on to a new unit that you were going to with the Coast Guard and stuff. So it was definitely a challenge and um, time in my life and um, your father's life and your life, you being away too and stuff. But you just have to pull together as a unit and get through it as a family unit and with you moving on to your Coast Guard unit too. So what are some things you did while I was in boot camp to sort of ease that transition as best as you could because like you alluded to with main maritime in college or an ROTC status is there were times that you could send care packages of maybe mom's homemade baked cookies and stuff like that to boost morale but if you had sent the same cookies to train center Cape May your child probably would have gone made fun of and the cookies would have gone thrown out so what could you do to ease that transition in this stressful time it, it, it was hard, Hunter, because you couldn't really, um, you didn't want to embarrass him at boot camp by doing that stuff, and you, you wanted to support, but you didn't know how. I did send some letters, and when he was able to, he was able to write letters back to me to uh, answer the questions that I knew he was okay, and that was our communication for a long time. Um, on the aspect of the front of the home, I just tried to, for myself, and um, just tried to uh, re- find myself too to be a better person so when you came back home too I could share my experiences of trying to find myself again too because it's when you when your kid leaves like that I mean you're happy that they are going to find themselves and then it's time that you have to reflect on finding yourself too um, for the happiness for both of you to find stuff like that so you're not stuck with that empty syndrome of just um, not knowing what to do and stuff you have to take care of yourself too so you're good when they come back and I'll add on to this is there's something that they force you to do at the beginning of boot camp. They sit you down in a room and they make you call home. It's the way of saying, yes, I got to boot camp. 
now I'm not going to be able to communicate for a couple weeks, but know that I'm okay and I got here. So I didn't exactly do this. I kind of knew something like this was coming up. I had a feeling about this, and I didn't want to put you through listening to me like that with all the yelling in the background to make you worry more. So what I did was I called on the phone knowing that I saw the road sign saying that we were approaching Cape May, and I called saying, hey, I'm about to reach Cape May. I'm probably not going to be on my phone for a couple weeks, but I'll write to you when I can. Do you feel like that was a little bit less stressful of a moment, me doing it that way, versus if you had heard drill instructors yelling and we were reading off a prompt as we had to at Cape May at said time? Yes. Yes, I definitely would agree that that was a better choice to have been made because I think hearing the yell in the background would have made um, us worry more or me worry more. Um hearing that going on and knowing that you know what you were going through not knowing what you were going through at that point with that going on at least it was from you the original phone call letting us know that you were okay okay so when i did call up and i only had five minutes to make that conversation yes i elected to choose my father to get a hold of due to you being at work at said time yes and he had to relay the information as to what was going on now if there wasn't much information that could be relayed at that time so basically We get our phones back after we know where we're going. So all we can tell you to do essentially is get everything prepared because I'm moving to such and such location. So when that information was relayed to you that, hey, you're going to Newport, Rhode Island, you're moving six hours away from home. Now, that's pretty close Coast Guard standard-wise compared to a lot of areas, but still it's pretty far compared to how far I've ever lived from home. What was going through your mind at that point when you knew I was going to be moving to Rhode Island, but you couldn't get a hold of me still right then because I still didn't have my phone full time? I could only make that one phone call. Um, when your father told me that, you know, he, he knew how to talk to me at that point and stuff like that. So it would ease the, the, the um, way it was coming through. But I was happy that you were going to uh, Rhode Island. I, I was fortunate enough that... You had your aunt down there, too, so I knew, and your cousins, so I knew that you would be around family, so I was very fortunate. Um, I knew that if I couldn't be down there, at least there was family down there for you at that time and stuff, which made a big difference in the world. Um, if you hadn't had family down there, again, you know, but knowing that this is your journey and your experience in different states and different communities and stuff like that, and to hear the stories come back for you and that joy of you seeing that through your eyes has always been um, great to hear coming from you. So I, w- I was happy for you and stuff like that because you have all- you get to see so much of the Coast Guard and the stories that you come back with of what has happened um, with your volunteering and um, just your workload, and um, it's good. And then when I graduated boot camp, yes. I came back home for a couple of days, got my stuff in order. A lot of times, I was in a unique situation because I had the ability to drive home, so I did not move all my stuff. But in in boot camp, and this is an aside for everyone who's going to boot camp, is there's going to be a point where they pull you over and they give you the option, which a lot of people take, for the government to move all your stuff to your new duty location. Because let's say they got stationed in California. There was no way I was going to be able to drive back and forth to Maine all the time like I was able to in Rhode Island to be able to get my stuff. So all my stuff would have to move with me to California and the government will take care of moving all that stuff. So having been through one of these moves now that you have this uh, experience, which we'll get to later on in the episode, if 
I had been far away from home the first time, and I had those four or five days at home, and I said, listen, there's going to be movers that are coming here. Can you help me get all my stuff rounded up? What would you say is an efficient way to get all that stuff rounded up while your child is still at boot camp to kind of make that process easier if there are a couple days of leave they get, leaving boot camp? Well, watching the process when you were there having to pack the stuff up and uh, get it all to move, I, I don't think there is an easy process to it because I would just have put together the basics that you needed and had to leave the personal stuff for when you were there because, you know, personal items are for personal, what you wanted to take, what I thought maybe you'd wanted, you may not be what you need for your journey and stuff. So I probably would have just got ready the basics that you needed to go and started boxing things up, but you made it easier for this move um, by having the moving company come and we packed everything up and went through the stuff and when they came, they were able to take the stuff down to um, this place down here in Louisiana. Well, now alluding to that too is after I had moved to Rhode Island, yes, I was still relatively close, so you were able to come and visit quite frequently. As someone who likes to travel to coastal communities, did you have fun prospects of, hey, he's going to get to move around every couple of years, and I'm going to get to visit new coastal community areas and vacation down to these places? How was that prospect for you? Oh, I'm loving that part of it and stuff. I just saved my vacation time and where he's at and stuff. Um, where was Rhode Island? We went and did the touristy stuff for Rhode Island and got to see the um, beach and stuff. The beach is my favorite. So no matter where he you, you end up, I always know there's going to be a beach involved. And um, now this week being down in Louisiana, um, it's just been amazing to see this part of the country. I never would have come here if you hadn't been in the Coast Guard to come visit you. I never would have come to see this state and I'm absolutely thrilled that I have been able to have the privilege to be able to come down and um, be in Louisiana and meet some of your Coast Guard friends and help out in some of the activities that you were doing and see the sights down here and spend time with you, of course. Right. So as I'm going to start in a career in Rhode Island, too, as a non-rate, you know, there's lots of stressful times being a non-rate. You're at the bottom of the totem pole in a new organization. You're trying to learn a lot and being told a lot of different things and how to get up to speed. Do you feel like there's something that you could do in your roles based on what you did or what you wish you had done that could ease the stress and transition into that new phase of life as a job for your child that is away now, starting out in a new stressful job, trying to get up to speed in what they're doing, and now you have the ability to send care packages. So do you feel like that would be a huge boost of morale in terms of especially if you're on the cutter and you don't get to come home much? I think in today's world, it's much better than what it was in the um, olden days that we have um, Facebook and FaceTime and other areas of being able to stay in touch to know that, you know, and check in and say, hey, do you need anything? What do you need? And stuff like that. And if you need, you know, for support or whatever, and being able to have that contact and on the holidays to be able to touch base with the FaceTime now. Uh, Back in the olden days, I don't know how they did it and stuff. I think that would just be... um, awful to not know one and stuff unless a letter came in so i'm very blessed that um now that um with the facetime and social media and stuff i was able to keep in touch with you so i'll say too i was fortunate enough that when i went to my a school you were able to come and pin me which a lot of parents were able to come down and pin their children too and many of you listening will have the opportunity to pin your future coasties or current coasties at a new location of a new rank 
regardless if that's at a school or at their unit years ahead of time, whenever you get that call up to pin your COSI, that's a huge honor to be able to do that and pin that increase of rank into what they're doing. So when you came down to training center Yorktown and I was there and you came to visit at the training center to do the ceremony, how is the feeling of being able to be selected to do that pin-in ceremony to put on that petty officer crow? Oh, I was honored to be able and asked to go down and do the pin-in for that in Virginia. Um, it was a 14-hour train ride to get down there, but um, it was worth every second of it to get down there. I met some of the other coastal parents down there that when I started speaking to the other moms and stuff, um, they had the same concerns and, you know, we're going through the same thing that I was going through with you leaving. And it just felt like, um, I became friends and friended some of them on Facebook too, um, for myself. And just to know that I wasn't the only one going through that loneliness and that what's going on and the questions and stuff like that. And we realized that if you guys, our sons didn't tell us what was going on, we had no idea what was going on and stuff like that. So, well, also I'll add that when you do this pendant ceremony under the TROPS uniform for someone who's making the rank of petty officer from non-ray, they tell you to pin the holes into the TROPS early so that when your parent comes to, or your significant other or whoever pins you, comes to pin on that new crow that you have being put on your uniform, it goes in easily. Can you tell us about your experience of actually pinning the crow onto the TROPS? <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a funny thing. It's just that um, Hunter, uh, we had gone down there. I went in with another one of the parents and stuff like that. We didn't know really what was going to happen and go on. And when they asked us to go up and uh, pin them, uh, the boys, uh, I'd gone up there and he handed me the pins and he said he had marked the holes in the um, collars and stuff to put on. Now, I know that we're being taped on live, you know, uh, TV or whatever. They're, They're filming it on. And um, I went to go put the pin in, and I couldn't get the pin in it. And I tried everything, and now my anxiety was kicking up and stuff like that because I knew, out of the corner of my eye, everybody else was having no problems with doing the pin in and stuff. So one of the gentlemen there, um, he looked over at me and asked me if I needed some help, and I just said yes. And he came over, and he helped me, and he was a very nice gentleman. I didn't know what rank he was, but Hunter was turning completely red. And um, he helped me with the first one. And then he asked me if I needed help with the second one. And I was like, oh, thank you. And so um, we got that put in. And um, I asked him to stand with us, too, because he had helped me pin Hunter. And I still couldn't understand for the life of me why Hunter was turning uh, beet red during this whole time. Because he was a nice gentleman to help me put the pins in and stuff like that. And I'll let Hunter explain to you who this person was that helped me. Yes, so this was the executive officer, second command of train center Yorktown. <laughs> and so. he was there to kind of oversee the ceremony, but kindly came up because I was in the front row. So he kindly came up and helped put the pins in. <laughs> but moral of the story is the lighting was poor in there at the time in the position that I was standing, but make sure those holes are clearly marked yes. <laughs> to <laughs> make sure you can pin them. <laughs> um, shortly after that though, and This is where a unique opportunity occurred. It's that uh, because I commissioned directly out of A school, we had another ceremony, a private one, so to speak, in Castine, Maine, where I went to college at Maine Maritime to uh, put on bars for my direct commissioning ceremony. Now, for anyone going through direct commission school, 
you'll have those opportunities to elect where you necessarily want to commission because you commission before you report to your first unit and you're hired that way. In officer candidate school, you're going to go through that boot camp process, which they're in the process of changing, so I'm not going to comment on lengthwise of it. There's probably going to be changes to it by the time this episode gets out. So I don't want to exactly speculate on raw info for that. I do not attend officer candidate school. However, comma, there is definitely another significant difference with putting the bars on that felt special. So I'll attest to your experience going through the direct commission ceremony at Maine Maritime. Is How did you feel about that ceremony? Again, your father and I were um, so proud of you and your grandparents um, from all sides were just um, ecstatic to have this be happening. We had um, your grandmother and we had your great-grandfather and your grandmother. Um, your father and I were there and... Um, your best friend Silva was there and it was just a small little ceremony that um, the, the words can't even explain the proudness and the, the, the success that you have done for yourself. Um, we were just beloved that was in the area and the um, we we're just so proud of you and stuff like that. So we were all there to support you in this journey and stuff uh, for you to where it all happened from was in Castine. Well, I thank you for the comments on that, too, because it was kind of like a full circle coming back to really where I cut my teeth and started, starting out as a freshman uh, midshipman under guidance and come back full circle seven years later. I just want to drop you that that, um, your great-grandfather, who was 96 at the time, he wanted to be there in person to be able to give you your first salute as an officer, and he wasn't able to. But again, thank God for for FaceTime. We were able to have him on FaceTime. So after you were commissioned uh, to be an officer, he was able to give you your first salute. Yes, so that's another boon to have modern technology available to us too is he wasn't able to make it due to travel issues. And he was still able to provide that by using FaceTime. So getting creative with technology is a very important thing to be able to use. Um, I guess... What I was alluding to, though, is there's a lot of people now with the Coast Guard being so shorthanded. They're looking at expanding their direct commission field. They've added a fourth class now to DCO schools for the year. So that's another 40-plus people that can go to direct commission school every year. And that's significant in terms of helping the officer corps out. However, that means that a lot of people are going to have different experiences prior to the Coast Guard. And coming directly in with really no knowledge because they didn't help direct commission officer school students that much. A lot of people I talked to were very confused. They didn't have the avenues and resources like I was able to provide you with the boot camp experience. So to testament to everyone who's listening who might be taking that path, what advice could you give the parents if they literally have no direction, even the you know, young men and women joining the Coast Guard don't really have a lot of direction as to what they're doing. They just know that they're supposed to report to this station here and they could either be on a cutter or at a, you know, unique small boat station or whatever it may be as an inspector or any officer career path. I guess what I'm trying to truly get at is there's a lot of confusion 
not having that congruency and in information leaked too. And they haven't yet been able to meet those people that have the experience. Like a DCO school, they can connect to other people who have been in the Coast Guard and can fill them in on the gaps they're missing. But what would you recommend to the parents that are confused along with their children who are preparing to embark on this journey through that accession source? Um, it was very confusing. Um, I was um, lucky enough that Hunter seeked out other um, students who were a year or two ahead of him in the field. Um, he reached out to his friends and was always looking for information. And that's what I would say is that your co- your new, soon-to-be Coastie has to reach out to other Coasties and uh, get as much information as they can. It's very hard as the parent because where would we go for the information? We don't know the information. Um, but to have the student, the, the new Coastie, reach out to the information, relay it to you, and discuss it back and forth and everything... Um, it, it's a different world being in the Coast Guard than being a civilian and stuff like that. A civil. Civilian? Civilian. So um, it's you have to rely on your son or daughter to be able to um, find this information, just help support them and listen to them. It's, it's, communication is the biggest thing. It's just listen. Whereas they're trying to sort this all out and everything, just listen and trying to guide them as best you can for their journey, but the listening is the best part in communication. I can't stress the communication. So being someone that was born in the 1970s, growing up in the 1980s, the way that you end up going through life, times are a lot different now. Oh, for sure. 2023. Oh, for sure. You've been in the school system, though, for a lot of those years, up until the past couple years of recency. Yes, what would your recommendation be for a lot of school systems these days push, as you're aware of when I went through high school, push you towards that college narrative to go to college, get a degree, you'll get a high paying job, and you'll be successful in life. That's the narrative that guidance counselors push on us. And you well went through the whole FAFSA process with me and stuff like that in terms of getting student loans taken out. But now seeing this whole military side that anyone is capable of doing directly out of high school, what would your recommendation be pathwise as to who's the military a good fit for versus maybe some people who didn't think about joining a service like the Coast Guard might actually do some good for them or be the right path considering they'll pay for college if you go this route and you'll be 22, 23 years old and can have a debt-free life good work experience, and now start college if the Coast Guard wasn't for you long-term? In other countries besides ours, um, it's a mandatory thing that you have to join the military for so many years for your country. Um, I, we don't have that here in, in this country. I think that a lot is pushed for going to college, going to college and define yourself. And a lot of the kids don't even use the degree that they uh, actually go to college for and come out with a bunch of student loans and stuff. That's just my opinion. Um, Some go on to be success and everything. But I think in the school system, there definitely should be for a um, push about showing the different aspects of the uh, service branches and showing the other tech stuff too about being plumbers and electricians which you can also do in the service too and learn those degrees too as you're in there 
That's very true. And the Coast Guard damage controlman does all that stuff. Yes. You look at the tech side stuff. You have ITs and electricians mates. Yes. So you get good vocational skills to start early on in life. Yes. I would like to ask just to sort of wrap things up is now having been down this path and seeing that I, of course, want to make the Coast Guard a career. Do you think from an outside perspective, knowing that you're never going to join the Coast Guard, one, they don't, I think, hire people in their 50s. Thanks, Hunter. (laughs) But another aspect is you're established in your life the way that you are now is for career-wise overall, you spoke with a Coastie this past weekend who had been for 30 years. Yes. What do you think of the Coast Guard overall as a career decision? I think that with the way the world is going today and just um, for people that are wanting to do something for their country and just don't know where their spot in life is to give it a try and stuff like that, go for it. Go for, go for it. There's so much in the service that you could give and you can get back to and everything. You, you get what you give and stuff, you know. So, I just, yes. Joining one of the service branches and the Coast Guard is a service branch. I don't care what the um, other services think about it. It is a service branch. Um, they give you guys a lot of slack. They give you guys a lot of um, hard times about that and stuff like that. But it is. It's important to our country. You all are um, helping us out. And yes, I would definitely recommend it for another choice. And I'll also add to that is my friend wanted me to mention that what's really being pushed now in the Coast Guard is they have two-year fully active duty enlistment commitments. So if you graduate high school and you take one of these two-year enlistment contracts, how it's worded and there isn't like you're doing your two years enlisted and then you're a veteran, you got all your benefits to being a veteran. You become a reservist afterwards, which the reserves is a sweet gig. You're dealing with the Coast Guard approximately once a month. You have your two-week commitment at some point throughout the year that works with your work schedule. Employers will work with you on that. However, what I should mention about that is it's a pretty sweet deal that if you did this right out of high school and you didn't know what you want to do with your life at that point, you could do this for two years See if you like it. If you don't, you become a reservist. And in two years, now you can go to college and use your GI benefits. At 20, 21 years old, that's pretty sweet to be able to go through college debt-free. Because as we know, life's getting a lot more expensive right now. And to have an avenue like that, I think it's huge. Yes, the Coast Guard's given you an experience that your father and I probably couldn't give you and stuff like that. So I'm thankful for the Coast Guard giving them the, the experience they have given you. Well, just like you said earlier today, too, is like so many people like me that come from their small towns, how do they get out? Yes. Many I people agree. just get stuck there. And the Coast Guard's a good avenue to leave and see some places you never thought you'd see in your life. Yes. And I really think that people can grow and mature and gain a lot of experience from this tour. I don't know if you have anything to say about that or not. Yes, like I said, that um, you know, the Coast Guard's given you the experience that your father and I probably couldn't have given you and being in a small town in Maine and stuff. 
and to have watched you have grown and stuff. So I am forever grateful that the experience that you've got and is still getting and will continue to get through the Coast Guard. Um, we are grateful for that, you know. And then any last tips or advice you give to parents with regards to, okay, now they're an officer and now they're a petty officer or now they're a non-rate, regardless of which accession path they take. They've kind of gone the hang of moving a couple times and they're established in their careers now. They're several years into it. How can you be supportive throughout their journey once they sort of find their feet and get going with it to continue to be an important part of their lives and always be that helping hand that's always available to them? Communication, again, I can't stress it enough. Um, I know when he's getting to a, a low point that he hasn't seen his family and stuff like that, or I need to see him, and you just got to make it happen. I mean, FaceTime's great, but to see him in person, and I just... Um, save up your vacation money and go enjoy where they're stationed at and stuff and experience the new, you know, experience for yourself and for them together to be able to see them and show them that support so they don't have to be the ones doing all the traveling all the time to come back home. Go see them and stuff like that, you know, and experience the life that they're living. Let them show you how they're living and uh, enjoy the experience through their eyes. Well, thank you very much for your time and coming on the episode today. I hope this was able to ease a lot of parents' concerns that you've been bringing to me. I know there's not like concern concerns that I haven't getting a lot of those. I'm sure there is those in existence. And it's very nice to be able to provide perspective and help from a parent who's been through this at both the boot camp stage and the officer session stage to kind of give you a difference of perspective as to how it goes. Now, I will say you'll probably get a more unique perspective on that officer session source had someone gone directly to the officer school as I was kind of a little more on the established side by the time I went to just another run in the mill. Oh yeah, he's going to school a couple weeks type deal. (laughs) But at the same time, I feel it's really helpful to hear these perspectives to give you as the parents listening an idea of a lot of you have questions my kid's about to embark on this journey. How can I make that impact and ease that transition for them and help them? Because a parent wants to help their child. That's what they want to do. And there's so much out of their control in this circumstance. (laughs) It's not just limited to them. No one has control in this circumstance. It's stressful for everybody. I can 100% attest to that. However, being the parent, it's kind of harder to understand because you're not the one being fed all the information. You're getting secondhand information like a game of telephone. It lets you do thorough research. But what we hope to provide by sharing this episode is just that insight as to how to make those bridge connections better here and from the Coastie perspective and the parent perspective. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Hunter. We're proud of you. Yes. And, and all the other Coasties and other parents that are going out there, whether it be your sons or daughters, you know, it's a good career, communication, just stay with them and go for the ride. And you'll see wonders as to how much those little things make the biggest difference and help out. So thank you for coming on. Thank you all for listening. And I will promise you guys, I'm trying really hard to get my friends to come on here 
to share their perspectives that I've been wanting to share with you guys. So hopefully soon we'll be able to get them on here to answer your eagerness to hear them. Until then, thank you very much for tuning in and have a great day. And I hope to be able to share another episode with you in the near future on the Coast to Coasties podcast.